Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Lunchtime Special Podcast, a show about life, death and everything in between. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the show of life, death, and everything in between. We have been doing a series of shows in our lunchtime special podcast. And the shows which I have been facilitating, they are in the series of abstraction. All right. So in today's podcast, before we start the topic and the discussion thereon, I would like to introduce the panel as part of uh, setting the stage. So we have Simon, the super fan. <laughs> Hello. Nice to be here. And Andre. Pleasant. Welcome to everyone here for lunch. Spiro. Hello, everyone. Just mention your your abstract name as well. My abstract name? No. Ghost Spiro? <laughs> <laughs> the artist formerly known as Spiro? Spiro. Sounds like a gangster name to me. You know? <laughs> Suranga. Hello. AKA The Void in the House. Yeah, great to hear you. Ian. My unfeigned welcome to the team. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So here is, uh, we are having all the um, FBI agents in this room and taking it forward. The, the subject line today, which this team is trying to touch is prejudice. The team today will dive deeper into the mechanics of prejudice will try to see it from multiple perspectives and angles into the functioning of it and its process and uh, what way it should go or shouldn't go, what things to, um, to learn from it. So before we bank on our journey, I would like to uh, put a few of the existing work in this regard is that the experts they have been looking into prejudice as an inevitable process which manifests in the mind of human beings. And uh, they found that it actually works on the basis of defining categories for its comfort to make decisions. However, we all experience that this inevitable process results into chaos many times where we um, see the society suffering from the prejudices, which is very, um, very negative in its outcomes to society or as a global society. For example, racism, sexism, discrimination based on the nationalities and etc. and etc. Then the experts found, which, which is actually making me quite fascinated, that it is good to reduce the prejudice because the lesser the prejudice the society collectively or individuals would have, the lesser the conflicts would exist. However, this is their kind of obvious acceptance that reducing the prejudice is a good idea, but this team is not accepting that because we are going to dive into it and dig into it. So I would give this a stage to the team, to Spiro to start with. Mr. Spiro, what is your thought on this fascinating force of prejudice? Okay, prejudice. Well, it's interesting. It's a good example of cultural conditioning. 
I've always found prejudice to be to stem from basically the the culture that we live in and the biases that that culture has, and then applying that to the individual. We're not born with prejudices. No child ever pop, pops out of their mother and thinks, "Hey, I'm not really keen on people of this color of this sexual preference." They have none of that, and they are slowly indoctrinated into having a prejudice about something. And they, because they're young, they actually accept it without any thought. It's just it's you know, mummy and daddy said it. it that's the way it is. Therefore, that's the way it is. And the problem is we never second guess those prejudices and we carry, carry them forward to adulthood. So it's potentially the culture that we live in supports those prejudices politically, religiously, and there's constantly just reinforcing a bad idea, a bad paradigm, and we never actually shake it loose. So it starts from a, from a very early age, but it's not an inherent property of all humans. We, we don't have a prejudice molecule in our body. Well, quite interesting, the point you're touching. So I, I just summarize it into two points. First, that we do not come with the prejudices with us. However, we get indoctrinated. So the, the, the point which is coming out of this is that in the human functioning or human psychological aspects, that means in the early age, which is quite easier to indoctrinate certain ideas or beliefs, what is that force or what is that framework of human mind which is actually accepting things without without using the discretion or without using certain um, logical or coherent facts to make decisions? And this acceptance, why it is there? First thing. Second thing is this cultural conditioning or um, any kind of conditioning, it manifests towards the adulthood and that discrimination becomes the glass. What is it in terms of a practical force? Again, it could be slightly biological in the sense that evolutionary-wise, we want to protect ourselves against foreigners, against foreign agents, against things which are dangerous. So if in your tribe, in your small primitive tribe, anything beyond the boundaries that we can see is scary and unknown, therefore, you know, beware of those people. They're a threat. Therefore, we we tell our the, the, the innocent and the young and the, you know, those who don't know any better that, hey, anyone that looks like that – with those tribal markings, with that language, potentially they're a threat, maybe a survival technique. Look, I think it's a really good point that you touch on in terms of people that don't know any better. I think it's all about knowledge, right? It's about knowing your tribe around you and you know that they're relatively good people, hopefully. And then it's the knowledge that you get given, which is entirely false. Like, for example, that certain racial groups are, are savage or, or something like that. But the source of this knowledge is almost never from the actual host of that knowledge. And what I mean by that is, if I'm mansplaining, that's actually probably the best example I can come off at the top of my head. That's coming from a different perspective and not from the source of where that perspective should come from, which is from the person that is being prejudiced. So I would what I would do, I would just kind of refresh the team that we are actually following the approach, which is a bit different to the experts approach here. Right now we are actually digging out the the functioning and the mechanics of prejudice, how it changes from an early age towards adult. And then we'll talk about this process as an established perception into the society. And then we will go to the stage where I mean, what are the pros and cons of it? So now going forward, the thread um, of Ian, I'm putting this stage forward for anybody to pick it up with telling their idea of prejudice, their understanding, which they would like to summarize and addressing the question of it being quite easy in the early age and being robust and solidified as the person or the human being is growing towards adulthood.
when a baby is born and till the age of seven, I think that's the period where I think most psychologists agree with this is the fact that between the seven years is the time where the kid is actually programmed, pretty much programmed into the tribe or whatever the context of the environment that they're in. So during this seven year period, it is crucial, I think, society's point of view to make sure that the that baby, the kid, is given the right values. And certain institutions already play that. Religion plays that. School plays that. Family plays that. There's a couple of institutions already there, which makes it really helpful. But at the same time... So my question, sorry to interrupt, but what they should do when you say values, when you say some, some certain keywords, which are which sound to me quite abstract, every religion or every religious background or cultural background, they have their set of values, set of keywords, which they think is correct. And they strongly live that. They, they live and die for that, I should say it in this way. How do you define that? the values or those keywords which you are trying to you know uh, ask the society to play the role with that is actually i mean first thing is that okay i mean this question can be addressed later that prejudice is right or wrong or bigger or small but how, how do you define that framework that it is good it is progressive or it is something which is positive helpful nurturing healthier sure so let's go back in time to let's say 10000 bc even more than that where we are in the nature, in the wild, and there is no sort of society structure in play, and we are dealing with nature straight face-to-face. There is no ambulance, no police, no fire whatsoever. So you only got your tribe and the other tribe and nature. So in that context, in that tribe that baby gets born, there's certain values already in place. These values help that tribe to survive in the nature, in the context that they are. So these values might not be right, might, might not be right, might not be the correct way of dealing with things, but that tribe survived because of the fact that those values were in play most of the time. So this is what I mean by the actual value concept. Interesting point you bring up, which kind of, I want to make two points. First of all, I'd like to distinguish between prejudice and discrimination. I'd like to um, get your thoughts on it. My view of prejudice is an attitude and my view of discrimination is a behavior, and you have to understand the difference between the two. I might have an attitude, which doesn't mean that I discriminate, because my behavior is not demonstrating that I'm taking discriminatory action against whatever my attitude is, because your actions sorry, are not stemmed always from your basically attitude. So I'd like to pick up on that as well, on both points that Swanga and Simon are making. If we're talking about 10,000 BC, the reason why prejudice existed was survival because a lot of things were predictable as well. So, you know, you see a tiger, tiger's going to eat you. Like that's fairly prejudicial. You might, you might attack a tiger because you're like, Oh, it's going to attack me. That's, that's prejudicial response. When you're talking about humans, humans are not predictable. And that's where this prejudice discrepancy comes into play because you can, you might reasonably expect a person from another tribe to attack you because potentially within your own tribe, that's the response that would happen the other way. And so your prejudice is actually formed by (laughs) yourselves rather than the external factors. Whereas with nature, I think quite often prejudice is because that's just how nature works. Uh, It goes to extremes, of course, in other ways. And this is where Simon was coming about behavior. Shark eats us in the sea. So let's kill 
all the sharks. <laughs> so in terms of, um, and that can then be extrapolated to prejudice against humans because at a very basic level. Where one know, tribe is saying that tribe is yeah. not good. Yeah, I mean, the amount of talk about immigration that's happening at the moment and when people of Muslim faith, one bad terrorist comes in and blows up a building and suddenly the entire billion worth of people that follow the Muslim faith are all tainted. And that's kind of the tiger situation, but on yeah. an extreme level. So, and, and this is where we're talking about children forming ideas, right? In the years zero to seven, you cannot expect a child to be able to have complex thoughts. It's impossible. They're still mentally growing. They can't possibly have the ability to differentiate between whether a tiger is a threat or whether they need to be a bit more nuanced about it. So, Especially fire, in general, just fire. You yeah. know, the girl touching fire, right? Yeah. So the, the responsibility definitely falls on people that care that care for that seven, zero to seven-year-old, but it's also unfair to expect that zero to seven-year-old to not inherit bias and not inherit prejudice. So I don't know. That's probably the next seven years that might be the key. <laughs> seven years. <laughs> well, see, I mean, before I pass on the stage to um, another guy, just... Uh, I would like to put an objective view on this. So when you talk in terms of science, when you talk in terms of force, everything in existence is a force. Even we are sitting here and able to talk because the food has been transformed in form of force into us and that is causing our voice to be uttered. So this is a translation of force in terms of words. In the same way, baby, he is actually, his all the instruments is developing because of certain force in nature. Let's just try to see it from that perspective. Now, that means even perception is a force. Intelligence is a force. Cognitive abilities is force. Everything is force. Prejudice is also a force translated due to certain input provided to this candidate, which processed it through certain glass and established as a means to survive or to react to it. Based on the inputs provided into certain cultural environments or individual circumstances. And in that moment or in that progressive stages, the kind of intelligence this entity, boy or girl or man or woman is having, they would keep on developing their subjective version of their prejudices. It can happen that in Australia or in America, there are a lot of native people, like the educated people, they do not have prejudice towards any faith. They treat people by seeing them, by interacting with them, by talking to them. They are free from this mass painting of prejudices. Now this test I'm giving to you guys to look into this prejudice and dissect it, that what it is. We have broader prejudice. We have shorter prejudice. We are not beyond prejudice. We are seeing this world. We are seeing this sky from a prejudice. We are seeing our dimensional existence being in this room from certain prejudice. We are having orientational prejudice at this moment of east, west, north and south. We are not free from prejudice either on conscious level or on subconscious level. When I say subconscious level, I just gave example of orientations. So are we really free from prejudice in any context? Well, okay. I don't think we'll ever free ourselves from prejudice to any extent because 
our perception, well, unless you really expand it, you're only viewing the world through your own perception. Therefore, you don't understand what other people are going through, what they're experiencing, and you make assumptions, and then you have a confirmation bias every time you see something that kind of goes, oh, that's what I thought. Yeah, that just confirms that, and you're just building on that confirmation bias. So eventually, you, you think that all people are of this color, all people of this faith, they're all the same. You just start generalizing because you just start building upon that, and the fact that we, we're always going to be prejudiced against other, the world around us because innately, we want to be able to survive, to procreate, to live, to do all that stuff. And anything that potentially blocks that is a threat. So we will instinctively say, okay, I am prejudiced against potentially everyone in this room because in my career path, they could all be a career threat. Or in everyone in this room, they could be a threat to my family or something. So they comes without even thinking about it because I guess it's, a, it's, a, it's just that survival mechanism. And it's a force because it, it impacts and permeates every decision whether you're thinking about it or not you hear someone say oh this this guy he's, got, he's joined our office you know I've heard he's this 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 immediately you've just been filtered some information you don't even know if it's valid you don't know if it's real you don't know what it is and all of a sudden you're starting to make assumptions in your head oh the person oh he's like that is he, is he does he look like this does he act like this oh right more assumption more assumptions more confirmation bias you're suddenly prejudiced you meet the person, you realize they're totally different. They're actually really nice people. You would have just happily accepted them without any prejudice, but immediately some information, some data, some limited data has been given to you and you're basically extrapolated and built upon it and made an entire assumption on it. It impacts everything. Very good point, Spiro. I have a kind of differing view and, and something you guys touched on earlier is when a baby is born, it's actually born with no prejudice. It grows up to whatever age with no prejudice, no discrimination. So that tells me that prejudice is not inherent in humans. It is of the mind. It is being programmed in the mind. It sits in the mind. So anything that's in the mind can be actually removed and therefore you can live without prejudice. All you have to do is drop your mind and all your inherent values and judgment will be dropped with that, with the mind. So, okay, I mean, I'm just here kind of um, giving you a counter argument, uh, Simon. Let me put here that baby is born with inherent prejudice and let me prove it how. He is born with, with prejudice that she is my mother, but neither mother nor father created the consciousness he's driven by. Is but, but, that, but sorry, that's not the argument here. We're not talking about who consciousness belongs to or who's carrying it. We're talking about is prejudice, is this basically discrimination something that you're basically stuck with or can you actually rid yourself of it? And we're also saying where is it all generated? It's all generated in your mind. If you think back, every time, every decision you make, every choice you make, it's a mental choice. And what do, what do all the spiritual leaders teach us, regardless of religion, they teach us to transcend both Okay, they say to you, nothing's good or bad, but thinking makes it so. What does that mean? It's all a choice, it's all a judgment, and everything is stemmed from that. Now you get rid of both of those, see there's one coin, two faces, you'll rise above it. You will not have any prejudice, you will not have any discrimination, because you understand it's all one. It's just how you look at it. I think a, a really good instructional way to look at this is the experiment that Microsoft conducted uh, with their artificial intelligence that uh, they put on Twitter, um, Tay the robot, and how uh, when she started off, she was essentially a baby. She didn't know anything, and she learned from fellow Twitter users. Over time, she became incredibly sexist and racist. <laughs> um, but this was as a response to receiving media from the entire Twitterverse, you know? So the, this is 
one force, as you would say, Atish, the external force of the people around us in society. And then that probably confirms that we are incredibly horrible people. <laughs> but I think, I think the, the key difference here, though, is exactly what Simon is saying, is that it's not just an external force. It's an internal force as well, pushing the other way. So as much as when you're a child, zero to seven, you're, in, you're receiving this information and it's affecting your bias and it's affecting your prejudice, there's also a counterbalance, which is your consciousness, whether it is something that you inherit or whether it's something that starts from zero, that's pushing the other way. And what our ultimate bias ends up being something in the middle of both external and internal. And if you are a stronger person on the inside, you can, as Simon is saying, you can counter the external forces. Or if you maybe aren't as strong, maybe become more influenced and become, Tay the racist, sexist robot. It's quite a very interesting point, actually, and you just in with the, with the valid <laughs> proving example. Before I'm passing the stage to um, Andre, who is about to give his thought on the prejudice, I would like to appreciate the point of Simon on that, that yes, I also see that value in there that with the help of certain means, the human mind can be transitioned into the state that it actually reduces its at least external prejudice towards society and people and become harmonized with the world as well. Andre, stage is yours. Yeah. What, what we mentioned about humans is that we're human, we're very prejudiced. I guess we're an ancient, ancient being as well because we've been around for a long time. You know, maybe not as long as some animals and that. I think it, it's it's very hard for us, I guess, not to be prejudiced because, you know, all, all the valid points of what people have said here in a discussion today about you're not technically prejudiced, but I think you are. There's still that ancient part of your brain, which you can't help but being prejudiced. It does exist, but you can like reprogram yourself because you know there isn't a human being amongst us that's not prejudiced like even even those of us here in our in our discussion group have probably been prejudiced to someone then i think it's that the thoughts are not not exactly always your own it's a part of just who we are we're humans we're yes. that ancient part of our brain that is probably hard to like reprogram anyway because it's it's just there definitely i'm Prejudice to Ian, I tell you. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> One thing to touch on this topic quickly before I pass on to Suranga, uh, who is in waiting here at the moment. And <laughs> that, well, we are actually carrying DNA of this universe one way or other, right? So why this prejudice is there, excluding this survival need, why it is given there. I mean, with this existential force of being, it's worth point of touching before, I mean, and now I'm passing to Suranga and then you guys can look into it. Yeah. Excellent question, man. So I'm just going to bring it back to what Spirit was saying about how prejudice gets built up. An example of how the prejudice gets built up where someone comes in, to, with, we're taking workplace as a context, but it could be anything. But where one person comes in, a message comes through from another person, displaying what that what that person is all about let's take that into a broader context in terms of politics in terms of religion and everything where politicians will use this to the nth degree whether it's religion or whether it's any society issue they will find one group as such that they will pinpoint it to that group 
and trying to blur, put the blame into that group, where instead of coming up with the idea of coming up with the solution, that prejudice is kept on getting built up. And that's what you're referring to, Andre, when, when the baby gets born, the, bo- the baby is given that already inherently because that's the cycle that we keep on doing because there's that external influence that keeps on trying making sure that this prejudice gets and kept on getting built up. And it, it is part of the individual to deconstruct and make sure all these prejudice is kept on getting questioned and not just agreed upon just because of the fact that of authority, of institution, that media, whatever it is, you got to keep questioning as to find out what is the motive behind the fact that they're wanting to push that idea and try and pinpoint to one group. Before Simon, you start and I just put one more point here. So as experts also agree, and you guys would be agreeing that prejudices actually survive on categories. We need categories to for prejudice to survive. Why we need comfort of categories to survive also? That is also an interesting question. For example, you you need to work here. If I don't tell you location, if I don't tell you to, okay, you need to go to, for example, Europe. I don't totally tell you the way. I don't tell you how would you reach there. You are like lost. For example, if I ask you, I mean, in your daily life, you would be struggling to make choices what to cook today. But if somebody tells you today this is available, you feel quite comfortable. In the same way, oh, it's morning, it's night. All these, it's, it gives us a comfort to be in a particular cycle to make our decisions. Why we need these categories, this, this force, prejudice from mind, why it functions this way? This is interesting questions also touch. Simon, stage is yours. Thank you. I would just like to touch on the fact that, and this kind of has a two part, we as a humans, as society, we're highly competitive and we were not born competitive, we're made competitive. Everything, every institution, everything that you've put, been through, you've been put through a ringer to compete with your fellow man, that causes you to divide rather than unite as a species. That's where all your prejudice and all your discrimination comes from. Because if you're told to embrace your fellow man and help your fellow man, you would not be prejudiced. You would not be racist. You're told from a young age, compete, come number one, be better than your neighbor, get a higher paid job than your neighbor, get a higher paid job than your friend. You're competing from the moment you're born. You're programmed to be the best. And that creates mistrust and all the ugly, basically, emotions that humans carry that creates prejudice and discrimination. Now, if you're taught the other way and you're taught to embrace and unite, regardless of skin color preference, regardless of sex, how much money you make, guess what? Your mind will not be polluted with garbage. And that garbage will not translate into behaviors, which translate to fear. Fear is the only thing that drives your prejudice and discrimination because you either love or you fear. You either run from the tiger or you basically love it. It's like that's the two things. All emotions stem from fear or love. There's no other way to put it. It's as simple as I have it. You know, I challenge you guys to, you know, kind of give me your thoughts on um, on where it, where's the breeding ground for it. You know, it's not something that you have to live with. It's a choice. You can't start out of it. Bravo. <laughs> I would say. I will say that right yeah. on. Uh, that, and that's the thing. Where is the prejudice getting built? That is the focus point. And I think we already touched on that. There's, there's institutions out there that one is definitely the government. Mm. Politicians, one definitely the religion is the second. Yeah. Schools is this, that. And that's that's the game that the baby comes in, into the world mm. has to face. Because from the beginning, it's the fear factor that is always going to come up. And that's the one the baby is given, no, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that. So what else is the baby going to do? Is it going to accept that? And that's what it is going to be. Yeah, we've right. got three really good examples. World War Two, prejudice, you know, against the Jews. 
was it just because one person, like, you know, the, the hatred of the Jews has been around a long time in Europe, um, where Simon and I are from, and, you know, it was, that was the big mass hysteria of, oh, they're so evil, Kristallnacht, you know, let's destroy all their shops because they're, you know, lending people money and they're unclean and whatever. Then you've got homophobia in America in the 50s and 60s, you know, oh, they're so much different from us. They're queer, you know, they're different. We don't want my kids turning out gay or lesbian or against the blacks as well. Like the, you know, I won't let you associate with that person because he's, you know, he's he's mixed. You know, he's white and got a bit of black in him. And you know, un, un, unfortunately, it's, it's been being the government and the fear of communism in in, in America. Like Arthur Miller, for instance, you know, he got very persecuted by the American government just because he he dared to voice his opinion that he had something else to share with the rest of the. Americans and the Oakland McCarthy who was after him was like, oh no, these guys are communists because you know he he, he dared say one 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 thing against the mass hysteria and how crap it was. It was like a witch hunt in in the you know 1600s in Salem and yeah, the government's really quite there and it starts at home with the parents in a lot of Kane's cases as well. Yeah, I can see. I mean, yeah, quite valid point actually. We we are actually bringing down the history and we are trying to relate the dots here and we can see that prejudices have caused great devastation to this world as a whole right and it is also we are also seeing that this prejudice is permeating into into multiple hierarchies across our societies now what i can see very interestingly that we are not differing in our view from the experts that prejudice is actually more hazardous than being helpful and we also touched the point of that how it gets formed the panel um, very right kind of uh, categorically put the point that how this is being framed or how it's being done now the question to team here that what is the fine balance what is the fine line the fine line well if we break it down to the loving the tiger or fighting the tiger because i think that's an interesting analogy the fine line is if you take a road of compassion that will tend to lead you to more positive outcomes because you would obviously take another organism's life into consideration so the fine line is balancing your own self-preservation as well as preserving the life of others so it's compassion because compassion should in theory lead to better things Fear, definitely fear, because people will avoid anything if they're afraid of it. Even if it's good for them, they'll still avoid if they're afraid of it. So fear drives us to do a lot of things. So fear tends to lead us to the dark side. That's right, Yoda. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, can I say that this is similar to empathizing? Can you say that if we empathize? I mean, experts, they have been telling that empathizing is, is, is one of the very significant way of actually reducing this prejudiced actions, which is hazardous for society. What is the thought of other uh, panel member here? Yep, Simon. I quickly say that I think empathy is not enough because I think sitting on the sideline empathizing is not enough. You have to have compassion as uh, Spiro was saying because compassion is, is almost like uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a bigger basically movement of yourself, you know, as opposed to just empathize. And I also think that there's both a destructive and a Force. So look at us, we're all creating nuclear weapons, every country. It's like if they put all their money and energy into feeding the world, there'll be no need to basically arm yourself because you know most of us will lose. I mean, every country having nuclear weapons, it only takes one to drop one, the rest lose. So why are we spending so many trillions of dollars arming ourselves against what? Against your fellow man. Now that's stupidity in its right mind. And we're talking about hunger and relief and all this. B- I don't understand it because seriously, if all it only takes is one year worth of 
they've put all the money they're spending on armory to be able to basically feed the world, you know, replenish it, as they say. There wouldn't be the kind of sickness and poverty and wars as you see today. It's very, it's very, very, very significant point you're touching, Simon. And I think it's a very good one for our next podcast. We can touch on this. It's quite, I mean, I think it needs a bit of kind of um, more thought into it. And it's a very uh, important point for society's perspective as well. So let's keep it. Thank you very much, Simon. I just want to say one more thing before we close is that we've touched on the big scary monster under the bed in terms of prejudice. The obvious prejudice such as governments or financial or war. That's the, the, the really obvious stuff. What we haven't really spoken about and it touches on what Atish was asking about the fine line is that from a practical standpoint, we have to be prejudiced. We have no choice because if we don't be prejudiced in any way and we meet and interact with every single person with a complete open mind, it would be too hard. Like you meet someone in the context of, of the workplace, as an example, you would reasonably assume that they would be people that are interested in where they work or there's some some kind of prejudice regarding that if they're italian you assume or you hear they've got an italian accent you prejudice to assume that they're from italy if we spent every single day oh where are you from? What, what are you doing how long have you been here you know do you like chicken do you like beef are you vegetarian are you, you know do you like sport <laughs> well i mean if it, it would just take forever like imagine meeting someone at the bar and then you have to go through their full life story before you can make any judgments of them you know like it's just not how it's just not possible right so at the yeah. most basic level, there has to be some level of prejudice, right? Yeah. Can I conclude with one point as an example? So when you get when you get on a plane and the they, they go through the whole safety check, what they say when the airbag goes drop in, they say help yourself first, right? They say put on the bag to yourself first, then put it on to your child. That's the whole idea behind what you're saying, Ian, is make sure you're preserved first before you can try and help the other. There's a compassion there. It's the compassion is that knowing that you can't save another before you save yourself. So there has to be that first in, in line before you can do anything else. All righty, team. Thank you for inputs. Now, I would put my thoughts here. I mean, that about the final line quickly, and we'll just kind of uh, conclude this uh, session. I think um, prejudice is and force, which is a subconscious force, which forms itself. And as Simon touched it very kind of in a quite meaningful way that there are certain way of actually uh, empathizing and self introspection and compassion by which a human perception can actually can make a discretionary decision that what prejudice to use is it meaningful to use? Is it nurturing? Is it useful or not? And uh, the other point which I would say that empathizing, putting the, sh the leg into the shoe of other person before making a conclusion as Spiro touched that point, somebody's joining in your company and you are making on a very short information, you're making a kind of whole personality uh, diagram for this person, which is actually a false creation of your own mind. So that means you need to let it go. You need to have that acceptance that you need to give yourself time and to connect, to collect enough information, see it from multiple angles before you reach to a kind of decision or conclusion. And more importantly, if you'd ask me personally, I would say that human being, we can go extra mile. We can see, we can accept things where we, we see that, okay, this person is possibly struggling with this thing or he needs improvement on this segment. You can be a facilitator. You can engage with this person. You can work with this person. It can be your family member. It can be your colleague. It can be your neighbor, instead of being that, you can be a facilitator, engage and 
and add value to the life of co-beings. Yeah, that's case. still a prejudice, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, a still a prejudice. prejudice exactly, prejudice. you're right. It's, it's a bit broader, but it is still the prejudice. I agree with that. It's actually infinite topic, I tell you, because we translate it into form of force. We need to dig it down where it started. Actually, still the question exists. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much, fellow lunchers. And thank you very much to the panel being here today. You can uh, follow us on our uh, Facebook account. You can go to our Twitter account. You can go to our uh, other social media accounts. <laughs> Put your thoughts on this episode, which will be uh, broadcasted soon in a few days uh, on the discretion and prejudice of Mr. Spiro. <laughs> All right, the time to say goodbye. I'm Atish and the team say goodbye to the fellow lunchers and we conclude. Adios, adios. Bye-bye. Signing out. <laughs> Bye, team. been listening to the lunchtime special podcast subscribe and like us on itunes castbox spreaker and soundcloud follow us on instagram and facebook or visit us at lunchtimespecialpodcast.com until next time